If you're a fan of the Recruiting Future podcast, then you will absolutely love our newsletter, Recruiting Future Feast. Not only does it give you the inside track on what's coming up on the show, you can also find everything from book recommendations to insightful episodes from the archives and first access to new content that helps you to understand where our industry is heading. Sign up now and also get instant access to the recording of my recent webinar on the future of talent acquisition. Just go to recruitingfuturefeast.com slash webinar. That's recruitingfuturefeast.com slash webinar. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi there, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 528 of the Recruiting Future podcast. It's very encouraging that an increasing number of employers are committing to play their part in improving social mobility. It is becoming clear, though, that transactional and short-term attempts at talent engagement do not yield the results needed for employers or the communities they seek to engage. So what can employers learn from non-profits that achieve positive outcomes that do improve social mobility? My guest this week is Irene Shee, CEO of Minds Matter Bay Area. This education non-profit connects driven and determined students from low-income families with people, preparation and possibilities to succeed in college. Minds Matter Bay Area has been incredibly successful with its mission and Irene has some critical learnings to share that employers focusing on social mobility will find extremely valuable. Hi Irene and welcome to the podcast. Hi Matt, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. An absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Please could you introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm Irene Shi. I'm the CEO of Minds Matter Bay Area, which is an education nonprofit that serves um, low-income high school students uh, in the Bay Area. In terms of my background, I've been working in education for nearly 20 years, always in service of low-income uh, communities. And you know, I've taken quite a journey, I think, through education from starting in the classroom. Um, I first and foremost see myself as an educator. Um, I was with Teach for America and taught middle and high school students. Uh, from there, I entered into the world of policy, um, have had the opportunity to also advise system-level leaders like superintendents and, and, and principals on their journey to thinking about talent development um, in their system. So, uh, and just before I came back to the Bay Area um, in this current role, I was working in state level education policy in Connecticut. Fantastic stuff. And tell us a little bit more about Minds Matter and the problems and issues that you're addressing. Absolutely. So Minds Matter Bay Area, um, again, we are an education nonprofit. Um, we are in service of, you know, low-income low students. And the primary problem we are solving for is something called college undermatching. And so um, this is kind of a, a lesser known issue, but uh, among low-income students, uh, you know, obviously we talk a lot about, you know, college success and getting to college, but actually a lesser known issue is that there are actually plenty of students that qualify uh, for top colleges, more competitive colleges, and they are not 
able to go, often because they aren't, you know, given the guidance. Um, they don't necessarily see themselves as fitting into these spaces because they had they've sort of taken themselves out of the running uh, in terms of not having the confidence to apply, and also, you know, largely because you know there there is you know the process is becoming more and more of a black box. Um, it's becoming more and more complex in terms of how to apply to college in this country, especially to the most competitive schools. And so oftentimes not having, you know, an older brother or sister, um, not having, you know, a dedicated counselor at school who can really guide you through that process uh, means that they're, you know, even if they could qualify, they're not, you know, able to access this wonderful opportunity. Now we care about that. And I wanna go a step further to talking about why we care about college undermatching. So, you know, there have been plenty of studies that have actually shown that one of the most, in fact, the most important differentiator for low-income students in terms of helping them rewrite their socioeconomic trajectory is the college and the quality of the college they go to. This is far more true for low-income students than it is for their higher-income peers because what these students are able to get access to when they go to a competitive school is actually better networks, <laughs> and of course, also better facilities, better resources. But all of these things are not necessarily things that they have growing up in the communities um, that they grow up in. And so being able to go to a college that, that opens those doors for them is so critical. And so we think about this as taking it a step further from just saying, oh, it's really important to help low-income students who can qualify you know, for great schools to get into these schools. It's actually about saying, once you actually get through those gates of a competitive college, it opens all of these incredible doors for you. And so we want to make sure that we, you know, help you step through that those gates. Absolutely. That makes perfect sense. Just digging a little bit further, tell us a little bit more about the barriers that are stopping young people from low-income backgrounds, you know, getting into these colleges. Yeah, absolutely. There are really three key barriers. Um, Low-income, high-achieving students are often prevented from attending top colleges because of three things. One is they are unfamiliar with options for higher education. Two, they are not provided with guidance to navigate the elite admissions process. And three, they are often uh, lacking in the confidence to apply to selective schools. Um, And again, not because they are not able, they have plenty of capability to do it, but they just often don't, you know, see themselves as that they sort of write themselves out, right, before, before, you know, that's even true. And how do you, how do you go about addressing the problem? Well, our program really focuses on, you know, here's what I will say, I'll pull back for a moment. There are lots of different sort of mentorship programs uh, in the Bay Area and obviously around the country. I think that when I talk about us as a mentorship program, the thing I really anchor on is we are quite a boutique organization. We're very focused on in-depth, building in-depth relationships between our volunteers who serve as mentors and instructors and, you know, counselors to our mentees. um, And we build that relationship over the course of many years. Uh, And so I'm going to talk about our program for a moment, but the thing that I want us as an audience to just imagine is that all of this program is really delivered by incredibly dedicated volunteers who are on the journey with our students, not just for, you know, a semester or even a year, but actually for three years and often even longer. So this, these are the components of our program. One is uh, dedicated mentoring. So each of our students gets access to two volunteer mentors that work with them every week throughout the school year for three years in high school. 
The second is weekly instruction. So this is primarily, you know, SAT, ACT test prep, but also as it relates to, you know, subject area knowledge, there's also um, tutoring as well um, on some of these subject areas. And there is a component that we call summer learning. And so one thing that's often not known to students that first come into our program is it's really critical what you do in your in your high school summers. Um, that's a great opportunity to take on courses or internships or experiences that help expose you to you know career pathways that might be of interest to you. So what we do is we fund we. We, well, we support our students to apply for, you know, college programs in their sophomore summer that help them, you know, get to college campuses, take college level coursework, um, but also expose them to what it feels like to live on a college campus for several weeks, because that's an experience that almost no one in their immediate family or community can, can necessarily tell them about. And so they get to live that firsthand. And then in their junior year summer, we support them to, you know, further their career exploration by thinking about, you know, taking on internships, um, you know, you know, attending, you know, multi, multi-week seminars, uh, you know, participating in uh, and developing their own research projects on subjects that they're really interested in, that they believe could further their career exploration. And we fund these opportunities for students as well. So not only do we help them walk through the process of how to develop, you know, what it is that they want to explore in the summers, but we also make sure that they are funded um, and that it's a feasible project for them. And the last bit of what we do as a program, of course, is incredibly focused on college applications and financial aid. We have a team that is dedicated to helping our students think about every uh, juncture of that process. So, of course, developing the list of schools that they want to apply to, um, you know, putting together the applications, um, really thinking through the personal statements that they craft for each of their applications. They actually get quite a bit of one-on-one support in terms of writing their personal statements. Uh, and then, of course, you know, moving through the multitude of you know, different financial aid opportunities that exist and making sure that they're putting, really putting themselves out there because, you know, our students actually end up qualifying for lots of, you know, different financial aid opportunities, but oftentimes the barrier is just not even knowing that those opportunities exist. So that team is really there to support them through that process. And of course, their mentors are always there with them as well. So I I took a long road here to describe what we do. But again, try to just imagine that all of this is really being delivered week over week over week um, for several years by an incredibly dedicated team of uh, volunteers. Um, Most of our volunteers are also young professionals in the Bay Area um, who have recently really lived through some of what our students have lived through. So there's a bit of a near peer effect in terms of them being able to pass or pay forward what they recently learned um, to our, our mentees as well. And how early in high school do you start working with people? Yeah, our students come in sophomore year at the start of sophomore year, and we work with them um, in this high school program component all the way through, um, you know, senior graduation, college matriculation. And then, you know, we have we actually continue to support our alumni by making sure that they're plugged into our network or plenty of career networking and, and in fact, career opportunities that we expose our, our alumni to. Um, and then and then, of course, uh, because of the deep relationships they build throughout their time in our program, most of those relationships actually end up carrying on into their college and even career sort of journeys. A quick message from our sponsor, Winolo. Hi everyone, I want to tell you about Winolo. That's W-O-N-O-L-O. Winolo stands for Work Now Locally. 
when Olo enables businesses to find quality workers for on-demand, seasonal, short-term and long-term work. Ditch the bulky paperwork and interview process and use Winolo to find quality workers fast and get work done even faster. With flexible workers and no platform fees, you can save on operating costs, meet demand and maximise earnings with ease. Winolo is available in over 100 markets, including Chicago, Dallas, Atlanta, New York and Seattle. Get workers who are ready to work and spend less time finding them with Winolo. Go to www.winolo.com slash pod. That's www.wonolo.com slash pod and take the stress out of finding workers. I know that one of the things that you talk about is economic connectedness. What is that and why is it so important? There's this wonderful New York Times article that came out, I want to say six, about six or eight months ago, um, and it was featuring a study done by Harvard economist Raj Chetty and his team. And what they were looking at was, I think, something like 72 million Facebook profiles. And among those 72 million people studied about 21 billion relationships. And what they were trying to understand is what are the interventions that actually lift people out of poverty? What are the interventions that actually work best? And what was really surprising uh, to come out of that study was that in fact, of all of the different interventions that have been tried, you know, including ones that actually are typically found to be rather useful, things like busing and school integration, which definitely has degrees of success, none of those were actually considered more effective than this one thing, <laughs> which is called cross-class friendships. So cross-class friendships meaning deep, meaningful connections formed between people of different socioeconomic backgrounds. And the more tendrils of connections that exist between um, someone that is from a a sort of lower income family, right, with someone that has access to, you know, you know different and, and more resources, the more likely that person of a lower income background is to, you know, be able to sort of rewrite their socioeconomic future and be able to really escape intergenerational poverty. And so this was really at the core of how we define, econ- not we, but just really the idea of economic connectedness is these tendrils of connection, meaningful connection between people of different socioeconomic backgrounds. And now here's, I think, why this is really interesting to unpack, because one of the things that this study really looked into was uh, that it's not enough to just kind of, for lack of better words, like smash people (laughs) together, right? And say, hey, you're, you know, here you go, you're in the same environment together, right? Because you can't really force friendships and that the friendships is really the piece that matters most because that's the thing that encourages people from different backgrounds to learn from each other, to continue on their journeys for many years, not just for the, you know, couple of years that they're, you know, together physically, but actually for many years to come to carry that relationship forward and have that continue to influence their, their lives and decisions for, and, and access, right, to resources for years to come. And so we think a lot about that as as a mentorship program, because at the heart of how we define mentorship, I started by saying, you know, really try to imagine that everything we do is really coming from 
this incredible foundation of dedicated volunteers who are building deep and meaningful relationships with our students. We really think that that's important. There's a reason we spend so much time developing and cultivating these relationships. We ensure that they have so much time to spend together um, in high quality ways, um, deepening not just you know, it's really important to us that our program is not transactional. Yes, there are certain things that we want to make sure we help our students do. That's the, the programmatic part. But at the core of it, all of this comes together because we care about our kids as humans. And we ensure that our mentors and our instructors and all of our volunteers that are supporting students have a deep sense of that. Um, because the hope is that that relationship that they invest in over the three years that they're in our high school program, it actually continues beyond our students' time in the high school program. And it usually does because of that investment early on. Because And what we believe, and I think this is a kind of the neat thing, is you know, our volunteers are, by the time they're serving in our program, they already have access to uh, resources and spaces that are very different from what our students have access to. So they already are able to unlock you know, levels of resources and access points for our students. But as they continue to grow, our volunteers are continuing to grow in their careers, right, in their lives and continue to build their sort of resources. So are our mentees. And the idea is that they just keep you know, pulling each other up and influencing each other throughout their lives. That's the true hope of economic connectedness. Amazing. And tell us more about the outcomes that you're, I suppose, the specific outcomes you're seeing from the program. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, starting at a preliminary level where where we look at, you know, just college enrollment. Um, so first of all, 100% of our students are accepted to four-year colleges. Among those students, close to 80% attend the most selective colleges in the country. And 100% of our students graduate from college within four years. And one more metric that I'll just throw out there, one more I'll throw out there, is that we in recent years have actually helped our students meet um, a median 96% of their college costs through non-loan financial aid. So financial aid that they do not have to pay back that does not accrue debt. This is all really important to us, as you can imagine, because, you know, we truly believe that for our students, it's not just about saying, oh, get to college, that's important. It's actually about the doors that we believe going to these colleges and these top colleges can actually unlock for them. That's really, really important. That combined, obviously, with the wonderful relationship they built with, you know, their mentors, the volunteers that supported them, we hope, you know, will continue to, you know, you know, pay dividends, I think, in terms of the opportunities they find in their lives. And a final question for you. There are lots of people listening who heads of talent acquisition or senior, you know, senior people in, in talent acquisition functions in, you know, lots of different employers. And I know that m- many of them will care deeply about social mobility or work for, for companies that that's, that's really important to. What's your, what message would you like to give them? What advice do you have? How can they help? Before I answer that question full on, one thing I think is worth naming is that uh, because our organization has such unique access points to young professionals all over the Bay Area, the common volunteer with our organization, it's hundreds every year of of young professionals that come and, and serve here. We also have a unique sort of opportunity to ensure that the industries that our volunteers represent can be um, sort of put in front of our mentees, right, while they're going through our, our high school program, and that they can see themselves as, you know, potentially, you know, 
working in any one of these industries, right? And actually, that's something that we capitalize on and think a lot about is how to make sure that, you know, in addition to the depth of relationships we build, we are also building bridges, right, for our students who typically are, they would typically not expect to be able to find jobs, right, in the indus- in these industries. We are really trying to build bridges for them to actually find um, a pathway into careers in, in a multitude of industries. Um, you know, high high tech, obviously, um, biotech. Um, you know, you know, medicine, law, all manners of careers. And so, but I would say one thing to that, right? I think one of the reasons that our mentees become so receptive, right, to this idea that, you know, hey. Uh, there are these volunteers that support me that are in this organization and, you know, they're working in all these different kind of companies. And I'd want to be curious about learning more about how to like get my foot through the door, right. In one or more of these places. I think one of the reasons our students tend to be quite receptive to that is because they've built such a trust with the volunteers that support them. First of all, they know that there is no agenda here, right. There's no agenda. It's about helping you explore what's possible for you. We're not trying to make you take one path or another. We're trying to expose you to all these different potential pathways, lay them you know, at your feet and let you really think about what best fits you and, and work through a process of exploration. Um, you can also try something and decide that's not for me, right? That happens with our students too, right? The right to, to explore and decide against the thing that you explored, that's totally great. That's a part of exploration. But again, I think we are able to do that uniquely because our students trust that there is no agenda. They feel deeply every week that we are here to support them as people. There is no agenda. And we're also here to, you know, bounce ideas off of. There's no real wrong question to ask. I think all of that is important, I think, for employers to think about because I I do often, right, it's not uncommon that we speak with, you know, HR departments, um, with uh, you know, different sort of, you know, factions of, of companies that are interested in talent development. And one of the things that I think they ask is just like, oh, you know, how can we, you know, come in and uh, do a quick like day of service? Or how can we come in and give some quick exposure, right, to your students on what we do? And I must say, Matt, that, you know, we're certainly open to that, but we have not found that to be the most effective way to engage our student population and really help them want to and see themselves as sort of, you know, stepping foot through the doors of some of these companies. And I think the reason for that, again, is it's very little to accomplish any of these things without trust and without relationships. I really think that students, you know, our students, like any, as you can imagine, like any kid that's 15 or 16, there's a level of skepticism, right, at first, when they first come into any kind of program or organization around like, are these relationships going to be transactional? Do people have an agenda? Or do people really care about me as a person? And I think we spend a lot of time as a program and organization and community making sure that it never feels transactional, that it's based in something real, and that we care about them as real people. And what we hope is that companies that are interested in helping students really take the time, pick like one or two organizations to get your employees really involved in, be able to spend a significant and meaningful amount of time building up relationships with the students such that it does not feel transactional. It does not feel like a box being checked and it does not feel like you're coming in with a really transparent agenda. 
And I think if you can do that, you'll find that, you know, you're more likely to, you know, organically bring on students that very much want to be able to step through, you know, the doors of your, you know, wonderful offices, but they just need to believe that you're in it for them. Irene, thank you very much for talking to me. Absolutely. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. My thanks to Irene. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also follow the show on Instagram. You can find us by searching for Recruiting Future. You can search all the past episodes at recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can also subscribe to our monthly newsletter, Recruiting Future Feast, and get the inside track about everything that's coming up on the show. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time, and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.